Hey, uh, last week I shared on the first of our beats, which was blessing. We are blessed to be a blessing. Who, who participated in the blessing challenge? Put your hand up. Who, who, who forgot all about it? A few people. Who wasn't here last week and hasn't bothered to catch up on the sermon? Honesty. Well, there's probably enough of you that were that listened to it and participated that I don't have to then preach the same sermon two weeks in a row. Um, but a little note on that: um, yeah, when when we share things like when we prepare things here and we share them with you, um, we have an expectation that you're going to receive that and apply it to your life. Like this is part of, of a discipleship journey for a community. Um, if you don't intend to do that, it would be great to let us know. Because if like most people are like, oh no, we just, we just thought you loved just to talk, Brad. So we're just doing it. We're doing it for you. We're just giving you like, oh, not really, not really interested, but I'll come just to be some moral support for Brad while he preaches. Um, that's not what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, hey, this is, this is gold from the Scriptures. This is what God is leading our community into. So when we share stuff, it's like, hey, it'd be great for you to then take that on board and apply it to your life in whatever way God would have you to do that. You know what I'm saying? Um, I'm, not, I'm not saying I'm not God. Uh, you don't have to obey me. Um, but there is something of, of where God appoints spiritual leaders in the church um, and he, he calls them to lead the people and lead as servants and to, to bless and to do all of those sorts of things. Um, there is a, a, the reciprocal thing of, hey, we desire to live this out. And I, I'm, I'm doing what I'm preaching and so I'm just inviting you to do the same. Is that cool? Yeah? Bit of real talk? A real talk? Um, otherwise, it's, it's kind of waste of time. I could do other things on my Sunday morning um, than prepare a sermon. Um, but, uh, but I believe that this is what God is leading us into and it's good and it might be new for you uh, and that's okay. Um, but uh, but we, we're trusting it's the Lord that's, uh, that's doing it. So it's good. Hey, uh, we shared during the week, um, just if anyone has any, any blessedimonies from the week. No, cool. No, so this is just, if you had a testimony of blessing someone, we just make, we just make up new words around here. So we called it blessedimonies. Does anyone have a blessedimony they'd like to share? Awkward. This is actually something that we really, uh, I've got a brother of mine and his um, lovely fiance we visited last weekend. And um, on Sunday, he had to go and work. So we, she's actually not a Christian. She believes in, she's a spiritualist, believes that there is a God. And so we decided to put on worship music, have a worship sess on Sunday. And um, she just, at the end, it was having full on tears, just streaming down her eyes, just saying, I can't believe Christ's spirit. I just feel him here in this room. And so like coming from that angle where they're from a new age sort of background, us actually investing and introducing her to the Holy Spirit and realising what God can do, I believe that's a pretty good blessing. Best place to be. Absolutely. So good. Any others? Anyone else? Who, who, who participated and, and felt, you don't have to, I won't get you to share, but just put your hand up if you, if you, if you did it. And, uh, and then you've, yeah. Did anyone, and did you have good fruit or like no measurable fruit? Different varies, yep, yep, awesome. So for those of you who didn't participate, now you've got a double challenge this week to, uh, to bless, to find one person to bless and then also to eat, no, so it's two people, two people to bless and two people to eat with. And you can say, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna eat with someone and buy them their meal double whammy. Yeah, you can do that. It's all good. Um, but uh, we're going to get into that. So this is where we're having activations as part of this. Because again, as Jesus said, teach them to obey all that I commanded. Um, we're not just here to teach you the commands. We're here to teach you how to, how to do that. And hopefully it's practical and simple and applicable. Amen? Yeah. Because you know what happens is if you think back over your life, over even this last week, 
if you ask the question, did, was anyone blessed through my life this week? Did I bless anybody? Did I, did I seek out an opportunity to do that? And for me, like I, I, I thought, I had to think about it to actively do it. So I had an opportunity where I just blessed someone. It was a real simple thing, but what it demonstrated is that I, uh, is that I knew them. I bought someone, it was like literally I bought someone a coffee. Um, they're not a Christian, um, but, but I knew their, their very particular order. They didn't ask for it. I just popped in, said g'day, and, and gave them a coffee. But it, it speaks something of, of intentionality and like, oh, wow, you knew me enough to, to do that sort of thing. But it did, it, it took intentionality in my thought to do that because it's not a rhythm for me to wake up each day and think, who can I bless today? Um, but I reckon it would be wonderful if it was if that was a rhythm in my life, if that was a thought on my mind is waking up thinking, who could I bless today? Who could I, who could I impact today through my life? And it might be through a simple, through sending a text message, through visiting somebody, a really small act of kindness or a gift or an, some sort of act of service, being generous. All of those things, they're really simple, basic things. But I find for me, if I'm not thinking about it, then I'll go through my week, and maybe an opportunity came up that I did, or maybe it didn't. And maybe then I could go weeks or even months without intentionally seeking to bless somebody. And for me, that's a, that's a, a robbery of what I have to give other people. Not because I'm super special, but because I carry the king and his heart is to bless and I've been blessed and so I wanna extend that out uh, to other people. So I encourage you with your activation there'll be another one today just to engage with that so we are talking about beats this is our kind of framework for missionally living so you're all everyone is a full-time missionary amen everyone is in full-time ministry amen you might say well no, I get paid to do this job you just get paid to be a full-time missionary in that job, okay? As I said last week, so we need to change some of our paradigms around what full-time mission is, full-time ministry is. I'm not in full-time ministry, any different than what you are. And you might, as I said last week, you may go, oh yeah, but Brad, I, when I'm at work, I do all sorts of things that have nothing to do with Jesus. And as I said last week, so do I. <laughs> things in my life that have nothing to do with Jesus. And yet, because my life is centered around him, everything I do is around Jesus and for Jesus. So, the Apostle Paul says, whether you eat or drink, do everything to the glory of God. You might be packing shells, doing night stock at, at Coles. You can pack those shells for the glory of God. Trust me, every, you can t take that intentionality saying, I'm gonna, I'm gonna line up these cans of Campbell's soup so straight, I almost said damn straight. It's probably not what you, you know, so incredibly holy straight and, uh, and aligned. Maybe kingdom alignment in these cans. And uh, yeah, amen, yeah. And I'm gonna pray that the presence of God over this can, the next person that buys this can, they're gonna have an encounter with Jesus. When they eat this soup, they're gonna be filled with the fullness of God. And um, why not? Why not? Hey, I've heard crazy stories of people doing that sort of stuff. I mean, there was a, it was a story of a guy who um, was a missionary, as everyone is, uh, catching my language. He was over in another country. Um, but they were working with, uh, so they had this uh, group of women who would make, they're called rain sticks. So people would use them for like witchcraft practices. So this bunch of Christian women um, would then make the same rain sticks that would then be purchased and used for these witchcraft practices, but then these people who would go to use them because they were made by these ladies, prayed over, anointed, they would again go use them for their witchcraft and end up meeting Jesus. So all I'm saying is, if it can happen with a rain stick, it can happen with a can of Campbell's soup. I'm not singling out Campbell's that are more whole than others. I've never, I don't know if I've even tried Campbell's soup, but still, whatever soup, pray, pray for all soups, okay? Let's pray. Lord, we just pray for all soups. We don't single any soups out, Lord. We just pray a blessing over all soups in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So these, these rhythms of blessing are all about creating a framework that keeps us focused on that we are missionaries. And they're real simple, basic things. It is, what's the B? Blessing, eating, abiding, training, and sent. Super easy. 
okay? But if we're not intentionally pursuing those things, then something is missing in our life of following Jesus. Now, is there more stuff to it? Absolutely, there's more to the Christian life, but this is in the outward focusedness of it. And again, what can sometimes happen is in our Christian world, we can focus in on all of the things that benefit me, all of the things that bless me, all of the things that I enjoy, and I become inwardly focused, and yet God calls us to also be outwardly focused. So I, yeah, do I need a healing journey? Absolutely. Are we all on a journey of being healed and made whole? Yes, we are. That takes intentionality and focus. But we don't need to wait till we're completely whole before we can live for Jesus, okay? Because it'll never happen. We'll die and then we'll go, all right, now I'm ready to live for Jesus and it's too late. So we do that in our messy brokenness, but we, we got to kind of, it helps to have a framework around that, if that makes sense. Awesome. All right, so today's rhythm is hospitality. So it's all about eating. Amen. So this is, again, uh, hospitality is a culture of the kingdom. Now, it's a culture of the world as well, but it's a particular culture of God's kingdom that He calls us to be a people of hospitality. And there's something beautiful and wonderful that happens when you eat with other people. And if you know this, it's the difference in the ability to connect with others. Um, it's like the difference of going to a movie with someone versus going to dinner with someone. You know, there's being alongside someone and then there's being face to face. But there is this, this beautiful um, reality of when we share a meal together, we're sharing our lives, we're connecting, we're relating face to face. We're able to um, to hear stories, to share stories, to connect with people. So there is principle behind why this is such a big part of it. But all throughout the Bible, God oftentimes, even the, all of the festivals in the Old Testament, they all involved food in some way. I'm like, yeah, go Jesus. Um, but there was so much of the, of the journey of God's people was around festivals and different feasts that they would participate in. So God would relate and connect with His people through different feasts, through food. Now, God is not food. <laughs> maybe it is. Maybe you need to repent. Um, but God connects through that, uh, that medium. So I actually just realized, uh, oh, this is from the book. I need my little book. It's in my bag here. So we are grabbing stuff. These are the Beats cards, which we'll give out soon. From this book called Surprise the World by Michael Frost. Um, all of this, the Beats stuff we've kind of nabbed from here. Um, we give him credit on the bottom of our, of our Beats card, so, um, but we've kind of altered it a bit. Um, but in the, in the book he says, um, the table is the great equalizer in relationships. When we eat together, we discover the inherent humanity of all people. We share stories and hopes and fears and disappointments. This is what happens when we share, when we meet together over food in that particular way. Um, I know uh, talking to a, a friend of mine who's a barista at a cafe, and, uh, and she would say that almost it's become like the, the publican of our modern day. Where used to be people would go to the pub and they'd you know, share their disappointments and their woes and what they're struggling with with the, the person behind the bar. And the coffee shop's kind of become that. And she'd find herself counseling people all throughout the day because it was this a regular point of connection for somebody and a familiarity that would get kind of built and connected. And so it's kind of how we're wired in a way is to connect um, over food. A little quote I want to read. Um, this is from Janice Price. She says, Hospitality, as the mutual indwelling one with another, becomes the mode of operation of mission as those in common participation in the life and mission of God, meet and receive from each other. Hospitality is an attitude of the heart which is about openness to the other. This mirrors the hospitality of the Trinity as God chooses to open Himself to the other through the incarnation and to subject Himself to the created order. It is about a generous acknowledgement and meeting of common humanity as well as meeting the needs of humanity emotional, spiritual, and physical with generosity. As such, it mirrors the activity of God towards creation. When we are hospitable, particularly when we invite people into our home, we invite people into our safe space, almost into like a, a sacred space in a way, a place of comfort and home and connection for us. We invite people into an intimate place of connection. 
Good point. If you have questions during the sermon, you can jump on paradox.church forward slash sermon, type them in, send them off, and we can answer them at the end if we get time. All right, so what does the Bible say about hospitality? It's just another word for eating. Um, just We didn't want to call it pats, so we changed from hospitality to eating. So, um, Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> Hebrews 13. Verse one to two, it talks about, this is titled Sacrifices That Are Pleasing to God. It says, let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Amen, as we extend hospitality in particular to strangers, the Bible talks about us entertaining angels. Little point on angels, everyone, because we have um, kind of a, probably a bit of a Sunday school charismatic understanding of angels in modern evangelical church. Um, angels, a couple of things about angels. They don't have feathers. Yeah, I know. Uh, the cherubim and the seraphim, the ones around the throne, they, they do, they have wings. Um, but angels, the majority of angels that you might encounter, they, they take on the form of, of people. So again, you're thinking, oh, I'd, I'd know if I was giving food to some giant dude with wings, I'd be like, okay. oh yeah, I didn't recognize your giant wings there, angel. Um, no, it's not. You can actually have an interaction with an angel and you wouldn't even know it, okay? So there's something uh, in that, but uh, that's my point. And angels are all through the Bible. If you think angels sound new agey, 176 references that I've counted in the New Testament alone talking about angels. So they're all through the Bible. Um, yep. There you go. Freebie. Sorry? Do I have a sermon on it? There you go. Must be old. <laughs> uh, Romans 12, 13 says, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. 1 Peter 4, 9, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. 1 Timothy 3, 2, that's a good one. <laughs> without grumbling. Um, 1 Timothy 3, 2, therefore an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, and able to teach. 1 Timothy 5.10, and having a reputation for good works, uh, if she has brought up children, has shown hospitality, has washed the feet of the saints, has cared for the afflicted, and has devoted herself to every good work. So speaking specifically of women, but hospitality is in there. Um, so again, hospitality is not a, a, a job for women to do. This is uh, 1 Timothy 3.2 is talking of the qualifications for an elder. So it's in the Scriptures talking specifically to men. Um, but it's so it's saying men be hospitable, women be hospitable, okay? So if you're a guy and you got a wife who's awesome at hospitality and you're not good at hospitality, man up, take on your responsibility of being an elder in the church of God. Everyone is to, be, is to pursue that and learn how to be a good host and hospitable. Uh, Titus 1, 7 to 8 says, For an overseer as God's steward must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. All right, that's just a handful of scriptures that talk about the role of hospitality, the, the command, the character trait of a follower of Jesus to be one who is hospitable. Cool. We tick the box. Yes, it's biblical. Yes, it's talked about in the Bible. Amen? All right, awesome. And what about Jesus? Well, Jesus practiced hospitality. Jesus was always eating with people. It was such a, a, a normal part of his day. And you might ask, well, was that just kind of the culture of Jesus' day? Was that just, well, obviously in his day, that's what he would do. Yes and no. So it was part of, uh, of Jewish culture that if someone was like a traveler uh, and a stranger, a wanderer, a sojourner, uh, a pilgrim that was traveling through and you would come across them and meet them, it was customary to invite them into your home, uh, you know, give them a meal, give them a place to stay if they had nowhere to stay. That was obviously normal for people to, to travel long distances and so they'd stop from town to town and uh, there wouldn't necessarily be a hotel or something to stay in. So that was part of culture where you would invite people in. Um, but Jesus, the, the significant thing about Jesus, who Jesus ate with, not that he ate with people, but that he majoritively ate with sinners with people that his peers would have seen as people that you do not associate with, 
full stop. You don't associate with them. You don't even talk to them. Probably shouldn't even look at them and acknowledge that they exist, okay? Jesus, he sees them. He acknowledges them. He engages with them. And then he goes to the degree of actually eating with them, with these people that all the religious elite are saying, what are you doing? And he would so much so that he was called a friend of sinners and a drunkard. Crazy talk. So he was criticized by the religious leaders for what he did in engaging so deeply. So it was not just, it might've been a part of the culture, but it was something that Jesus went above and beyond uh, to engage with people in. Um, in the early church, it was, um, it was abnormal to the culture around them, the amount that they would share meals with one another. Um, so they, there's lots of writings that were, so not in the Bible, but writings from leaders of the day. So non-Christian leaders and stuff would write about their experience of Christians. But they talk about Christians having these love feasts and these kind of late night kind of catch-ups and they'd share these big meals. And, and the Apostle Paul even talks about that where um, he talked about some of the order of, of eating. And he's like, man, you guys are, you're not, you know, you're not letting people, you kind of, oh, here's the special person at the head of the table and they were having all of these hierarchy and all this dumb stuff. And, and Paul's like, that's what the world does. You guys should have a, a different kind of way of doing that. But, uh, but it was, so it was normal for them to, to share meals together, to feast to the degree that it was abnormal for the world around them, how much they, that food was part of what they did. Uh, in the early church, it talks about they, you know, they broke bread daily. So they, again, shared and participated in that communion meal uh, with one another. Um, Jesus says to remember him by sharing communion. Now, when Jesus did communion, it wasn't a little plastic cup with a wafer on top filled with juice, okay? Uh, communion was a meal. The Passover was a meal. It was a, a significant kind of meal. Um, but the regularity of that, but when they would break bread, they would talk about they would be sharing a meal together. So at a meal time, and they would, in the midst of that, they would acknowledge Christ in that, okay? So it might be even as you might say grace or do something. Every meal is an opportunity to acknowledge the body and blood of Jesus, the finished work of Christ, okay? So that's what they would do. So it was as they were eating together, they would do that regularly. That was a normal part of their everyday life. So we might say today, it's maybe less normal for us to do that, to be so interactive. And yet there is a powerful principle in us doing that. Western culture is not what you should be looking at to model your Christian life on. What is normal for Western culture is not what is not it's not kingdom culture so you shouldn't be modeling your life on that so but no one really these days no one does these sorts of things so then why why should i do that maybe it was just cultural for the time okay it may have been cultural for the time but it but it works and it's what jesus established and it might be that it's a different culture than what we're used to we're used to um kind of being a little bit more exclusive when jesus is saying be open and yet when you look through, I don't know how I'm gonna fulfill the commands of Jesus if I live such a closed life. How can I be hospitable if I'm not welcoming anybody in in order to show hospitality to? So you see how it all kind of ties into together? So this is what we're presented to you is here's the culture of the kingdom. How does that apply to our lives today? I've got another little quote from this great little book. So this is talking about um, that passage that I was saying before about them kind of not having good order in their love feast together. But it says, the act of Jesus was to reverse this structure. It says, communion first and conversion second. His table fellowship with sinners implied no acquiescence in their sins for the gratuity of the reign of God canceled none of its demands. That's some big wordies. Um, so essentially it's saying because Jesus ate and had fellowship with sinners didn't mean that therefore they weren't still sinners and didn't need forgiveness and all of that sort of stuff. So that's, they're still, they were still who they were and it didn't change anything. Say, so, oh, he's, if he's eating with sinners, they must therefore not be sinners. It's like, no, 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 he was righteous. They were sinners. They weren't saved. They weren't filled with the Holy Spirit and yet he still chose to engage and eat with them. In a world in which sinners stood uh, ineluctably condemned, Jesus' openness to them was irresistible. 
Contact triggered repentance. Conversion flowered from communion. In the tense little world of ancient Palestine, where religious meanings were the warp and woof of the social order, this was a potent phenomenon. Conversion flowered from communion. Their conversion was triggered, was sparked by the fact that this righteous one would enter in and engage with me. That this, this rabbi, this religious leader, this teacher would come and enter into my house and share a meal with me, a sinner, one looked down upon by every order of religiosity in the culture that they existed in. And Jesus broke through all of those barriers. And the way that he did it, the way that he demonstrated, here's here is what the Father is like, was by sharing meals with people. We all eat at least three meals a day. Some of us less, some of us more. Um, but we share meals with people. Like we, oftentimes we have special occasions. We'll go out to dinner, we'll invite people over for a barbecue. It's all part of our natural rhythm, but it's about utilizing these opportunities to impact others with a demonstration of the kingdom. Now again, you might be somebody who's like, man, I just love to cook. You're gifted by God to present hospitality, which is a reflection of the kingdom. Oftentimes, well, Brad, I can't, I can't preach. I can't sing. I could never be on that. I love to bake cakes. That's all I do. Guess what? That's a beautiful gift that you have to bless people and to reflect the heart of the Father in hospitality. Yeah, we love those people. <laughs> or you might be like, I am really bad at cooking. Um, yeah, there you go. Um, but you can order food. Like it doesn't have to again, like, or yeah, you know what I'm saying. There are other ways to do it. But this is so important that we understand that as, as followers of Jesus, it's about being, doing, and telling the gospel. Oftentimes we can focus on the telling of the gospel. You just gotta preach the gospel, gotta put it out in words, which we do. But being the gospel, being the good news is important. So being transformed into the likeness of Jesus, embodying Christ by being transformed into his nature, that's also a demonstration of the gospel displaying Christ to the world by how we intentionally reflect the values of the kingdom, that's also proclaiming the gospel. So it's through being transformed and it's through living an, a transformed life in the presence of others, directed and impacting others. And then it's also telling people the why behind who we are. Do you live a life that causes people to be intrigued about what's behind what you do? Oftentimes we can live a life of trying to fit in with other people's expectations, other people's demands, other people's culture. And so we lose some of the distinctives of who we're called to be as Christians. But what we should be doing is living a life that people look at and go, there's something different about you. Now again, I'm not saying be a weirdo, okay? Because some people that I've met who are Christians, present company excluded, maybe, um, and they assume, oh, well, people just don't, don't receive me because they, you know, they, they're rejecting Christ and, uh, and they can spiritualize um, the fact that they maybe don't have a high emotional intelligence, don't know how to relate well, don't know how to talk about normal things. You know what I'm saying? Like they're a little bit too kind of spiritual and just get weird. It's like, oh, that's actually, it's not that people can't receive you. It's just that you're being weird. So like, just, like, just be a bit more normal. Not, you don't have to be like other people. He tells a story, Michael Frost tells a story of a, of a, of a guy and his neighbour would always ask him over for like a poker night. Um, but the guys, you know, they would drink whiskey and smoke cigars and play poker. And it was like, no, no, as a witness to Christ, I'm not gonna accept this invitation, okay? As a, I'm gonna stand firm on my faith and say, no, Jesus would not drink wine and play poker and smoke cigars, so I'm not gonna you know, accept that invitation. And, and he held it on. The neighbor kept asking him and asking him, he just kept refusing, you know, but he felt like I'm doing this thing to, to represent Jesus to him. And, uh, and then a, a, a friend or a person was talking to him, saying, oh, what if you... And oh, I think the question was, so have you had an opportunity then to share your faith? It's like, no, there's never been an 
opportunity to. I'm like, cool. Why don't you accept the invitation? He was encouraged to do that. So then he goes along and he's there and he doesn't, he drinks soda water while the other guys are drinking alcohol and it's fine. But in then, in giving his yes to that, all of a sudden the door opened for all of these amazing conversations about God and spirituality and, and Jesus and all of this sort of stuff opened up because he was willing to kind of let down his religious barrier to engage and, and enter in, okay? So, and it's, it's just kind of what Jesus did. So if you wanna represent Jesus well, go and eat with sinners. So the question is, is your life intriguing to those outside the kingdom? Intriguing in a good way. Like, wow, that, they're just always so kind or they're always so generous. They're always so willing to lend a hand. They're always, there's just something different. They're always, every time they come, they're just always at peace. They're, there's always a, a rest that's around them. Like that's the sort of life that we should be living where we reflect the nature of the Father, not religiosity and judgment and all of those negative things which aren't a reflection of the Father, but all of the goodness of Jesus and live a life that people would ask questions about. Even Luke 7.34, it says, the Son of Man has come eating and drinking. And you say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. That's Luke 7.34. Another question to ask yourself, would someone call you a friend of sinners? Is that how someone would describe you? Ah, oh, Ian, yeah, he's a friend of sinners. Like, is that, because that's something that, like Jesus was seen in that. He's like, he spent so much time around sinful people that he was called, he's like a friend with those people. Now that was a judgment, that was a criticism against him from the religious people. Because it talks about John the Baptist came, you know, not eating, you know, fasting, eating locusts and honey, you know, weird stuff like that. And then this Jesus comes along and he's like hanging out, he's going to the parties, he's eating with all these guys and he doesn't seem to have a problem with these people that they're filthy, disgusting sinners. But I want, I'm, so I, I'm asking myself that question, like would someone say of me, Brad, Brad he's, a, he's a friend of sinners. Because if I'm not friends with sinners, then how am I gonna make disciples? How is anyone gonna meet Jesus through my life? Because the only people that I interact with are those who, are, who already know him. And it's harder then, especially working in a church environment, you know, because I'm, I'm surrounded by people who are mostly Christians. And, I don't know, so. yeah. Uh, yeah, well, that's, I'll let you decide. <laughs> decide amongst yourselves. <laughs> yeah, sinners, yeah, yeah. But like this is the sort of stuff where sometimes we look and they go, oh yes, yes, and read that word and it's good. It's like, but if we ask ourselves those questions, who, who am I friends with that doesn't know Jesus? And if the answer is no one, then I'm not, it's not to put a judgment on you. It's just like, go and find some friends that don't know Jesus. I love hanging out with people that don't know Jesus. Sometimes more than hanging out with people who know Jesus. Just being honest. Again, I'll let you decide who. No, no, no. <laughs> it just can be refreshing and, and beautiful. And you're seeing the way that you're, sometimes it's like you, when you hang around with other Christians, like we're always on a pursuit of growth and change and transformation, that's good. But then you hang around, but it feels like then not so much, oh, this is a place where I have something to offer. But when you hang around people who have not met Jesus, it's like, man, I have so much to give in this place, not because I'm special, but because I know the creator of the universe. I know the King of Kings and the Lord. He's a friend of mine and he gets to be a friend of others through my life. So what does eating with others, sharing hospitality, what does it reveal and display about the nature of God? I think the first one is that God invites people to his table. He invites people to come and eat with him. Revelation 3.20, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. There's always an invitation from the Lord for communion. 
always an invitation for eating. I've had encounters in prayer ministry sessions, which is just to facilitate an encounter with Jesus, as I say, um, where it's all been about the table and the Father setting out a meal and just inviting me to come and sit with Him and eat. But the, and again, we play out those words and it becomes so familiar to us, but the significance of the creator of the universe setting a table for you to come and eat with is so incredibly, it's just massive. I mean, for us, it's, it's, a, it's a smaller table than we used to have, but part of the reason why we were, used to gather like this in a circle is, and we, we have a table in the middle, it's just a representation of the fact that we're coming to meet with God. We're coming to meet at the table with the Father to have fellowship and communion with Him. And God's table is open to all people. God's table is open to sinners. God's table is open to all people. But even as, as Jesus shares the story of the wedding feast, great story in the Bible. I encourage you to read it. I have no idea where it is specifically, but you can search it up. Um, but a big part of that is him going out and him sending out the invitations to those who would be expected to be invited to the wedding feast, and yet they don't come. And so then he sends out the wedding invitations wider to those who would not be expected to be invited to the wedding feast. But that's what we're doing. We're inviting people to a wedding feast with the Father. When we, when we share the good news of the finished work of Christ, we're inviting people not to take salvation for themselves and go their way, but to come and to live in fellowship with God, feasting and communing with Him. And God desires that. He desires intimate connection. He desires intimate communion and connection. Even as we share a meal together as part of our gathering time. So it's not that the, meal, the gathering ends and then we share a meal. The meal that we share is part of our gathering time together because, again, it, it creates opportunity for connection. It's natural, it's human to do that, to stay and connect. What we don't want is for people to come through the door, spectate, and then leave. We, we want you to feel connected, again, not because we're trying to grow the church in some way, but because it's good to connect with people. So it's what we're here for is to connect and to bless and to engage. Now, again, you might ask the question or you might be thinking the thought, but Brad, I'm just too busy. I'm too busy to do this. So my answer, if that's your question or your statement, my answer is then you need to make space in your schedule. I would encourage you to stop doing something that is less important than living for Jesus. There must be something. Unless you are full-time, every moment of every day, living on mission for Jesus. Then even then I'd say, but there should be time that you've still got to eat. <laughs> um, and this is why we're trying to, like we're, we're, we're taking these things and we're saying, we're not even asking you to do something new. We're just taking what you already do and utilize that as an opportunity for kingdom encounter, for kingdom expression, for people to engage with. Like, it's so simple. And I'm not saying that because it should be easy. Um, I'm okay with things being hard, okay? If, if, if like the leader um, has to go to the, the cross, then we shouldn't expect that we're gonna get away with just ease. <laughs> um, if you need help reprioritizing your schedule, I encourage you to ask for help. So you'll probably be surprised at how much time you spend doing things that aren't actually that important or urgent. Jesus is Lord of all. Jesus wants every part of you and every part of your life. So again, if he calls us to be a people of hospitality and we're living obedient lives to him, then he'll make space for us to do that. Amen? You can never be too busy that disobedience ceases to be a sin. You can never be too busy that disobedience ceases to be a sin. 
That's a suitable amount of silence. Sometimes we get so busy doing a whole lot of stuff that Jesus hasn't asked us to do. So we should all be, and and part of um, this framework is spending time abiding with Holy Spirit and spending time training in Christ-likeness to be like Jesus. So it's, again, what you'll start to find is, oh, as part of this rhythm, it's like I'll be spending time looking at my life and saying, Holy Spirit, am I doing things that you haven't asked me to do? And am I not doing things that you have asked me to do? Help me to reprioritize my life. I love, I've done it with many people, and sometimes it's like, oh, I just don't have time. It's like, we've all got the same amount of time. Everyone has 168 hours in a week. And within that time, you can find time to live for Jesus. It's 168 hours in a week. That's how much you've got to live for Jesus. Um, so what could this look like practically for you? It might look like eating lunch with a work colleague. So again, instead of just going sitting on your own, or just hey, say, hey, let's catch up and have, have lunch together. It could be inviting a neighbor over for a cuppa. Um, inviting someone over for a meal. Say, hey, you should come and, come and hang out with us and we're just gonna eat food. And, but again, inviting someone into your home. Maybe inviting yourself into someone else's home. I don't know. Um, you, might, you could come across maybe at the shops and, or you're in the city and you come across a, a homeless person. And again, you could buy them a meal or you could buy them two meals, one for you and one for them, and then sit with them and eat and just ask them stories about their life build connection, build relationship. And this is the thing, like in order to live this sort of life, you need to make space for it. You need to not, if you're always in a rush, again, to say, Jesus, help me to slow down. Because I might be doing a lot of things, doesn't mean you're being productive or fruitful. I know what it is to be busy. Like I have more things to do than I have time to do them. Okay? And I feel like I'm maxed out, but what I want is to have the freedom and flexibility that when I come across someone, here's an opportunity that Jesus is uh, prodding me towards that I can stop and say, but I'll take time for this. I'll take time for that conversation. I'll take time to have that coffee. I'll take time to have that interaction. I'll take time to sit down with that person and share a meal with them. I'll take time to pray. I'll take time to do these things. Because at the end of your life, like that's the things that's actually gonna matter. They're the things that have eternal significance. And again, with all of this, take someone with you. If you're like, oh man, I don't like, maybe you don't, maybe you're like, I actually don't know anyone that doesn't know Jesus. Then find someone who does. Say, hey, can I, can you invite them over for a meal and I'll come over to your house? (laughs) Just find a way, take someone with you. If you're, if you're like working, whatever it is, just if you need some courage from another person, utilize it, yeah? All right, so the challenge for this week, for those who, partic- who accomplished the challenge last week, is to eat with one person from our church community and eat with one person who is not a Christian. Whoa, what? Man, this church demands... You know, I gotta eat with people now. I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> what I love is that we can all do this. Yes, who here can eat? Hooray! We are equipped for mission. Yeah. So it's just be. So just ask Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, who who would you like me to invite over for a meal? Who would you like me to catch up with? Just and let Him lead you in these things. And again, this is like, we're doing like one a week with the hope that it will become something that we just do regularly, like every week. And again, not as like, oh, I didn't do my blessing this week. I better do it. Not, not like that. But it's gonna take some intentionality where it's unfamiliar, where it then um, confronts your schedule. It disrupts you. It makes you uncomfortable, okay? That's because it's a pattern that's not familiar to you. But the more that you do it, it creates a habit or a rhythm, and then it becomes normal, becomes easy that I would wake up on Monday morning and I'm talking to Jesus, Jesus, who do you want me to bless this week? Oh yeah, you want me to bless? Awesome, I'm gonna make sure that throughout my week I'm gonna find an opportunity to send a text message or to buy that gift for that person, whatever it is, okay? So simple, so easy, you guys can do it. I know you can do it, I believe you can do it, okay? And I'm looking forward to hearing 
some blessedimonies next week and some, yeah, doesn't work as much. Snackamonies, munchamonies. All right, we'll brainstorm during the week, a good name for it. Hey, do we have any questions? Two questions. If you could only eat one food for the rest of your life, what would you choose? I think this was one from last week, wasn't it? Yes. Um, me, it would be, it would be carbs, carb-related. Um, if it could be a food or a meal, I think my ultimate favorite meal is the schnitzel parmigiana at Pizza Bella Roma in Fremantle. Massive, like literally, it's thin, because but it's like massive big piece of meat, crumbed, uh, sauce and mozzarella and a side, like small side of spaghetti bolognese. Yeah? There you go. Uh, with an event such as Halloween, would it be hospitable to participate with giving out candy with Bible verses or do we close up house and ignore every knock on the door? Yeah. It's past, so, oh, too late. Um, yeah. Um, sorry? Yeah, they did it. Uh, Halloween um, can be an amazing missional opportunity to engage with people. Do you want to tell the story? Yeah. Just, we've got one minute. Um, our kids this year are a bit older, so they were really wanting to engage in Halloween because they're friends with all the street, the kids on our street. And um, the, the neighbours were doing like this really hectic <laughs> Halloween decorations, like skeletons jumping out. There's this sound all night. And like <laughs> every time someone comes to their door, there's this screeching like headless thing. And yeah, it was really gross. And um, and so we, we were having discussions in the lead up heaps with the neighbours because they were like, why aren't you going to do it? And, and then they were feeling really condemned when I was like, oh, we want to celebrate life, not death. And I was like, I was trying really hard to say it gently, but then, you know, the mum got pretty offended with me and all cut up because she thought we were judging her. And so anyway, we ended up just doing a big um, poster and we got a, got lights as well because we didn't want the kids to miss out. We got lights and made a massive love heart and we made a big poster that says we celebrate life and and then we just had a big party in the backyard, a life party and we and we cranked like, um, you know, this is the sound of the dry bones rattling. <laughs> <laughs> It's like Jesus zombies. <laughs> it was really fun. <laughs> but um, yeah, the neighbourhood kids weren't that keen. They wanted to do death stuff. So yeah. Yeah. And for like even for the children, it was more like um, that they they just weren't going, bad thing, we're going to hide away. No. It's like we got our children to enter in yeah. to... Um, in the opposite spirit and so it's like instead of just hiding away from Halloween um, and there was kids walking up and down the street because you don't want to, it goes on and it's, it's huge. So, you know, yeah. for us it was about the children as yeah. well as that. I just stood out the front, front and threw eggs at people. <laughs> Trick. No, no. But the, again, that's what the natural thing sometimes for Christians is to retreat because it's bad. And yet nothing about Jesus' life was ever retreat. It was always engage. That's why he was called a friend of sinners. Now, I'm, again, I'm not saying then decorate your house with all ghouls and stuff, but there are, there are ways that you can engage with the culture around you, spread life. Now, again, it might be having a candy with a Bible verse on it. That's, that's one way. Um, but it could just, just be, bless us, give out candy and just, Bless them. Just love your neighbours. Get to, like sit out the front and with a with a cuppa and just say good day and chat to the people that come. You might meet a whole lot of neighbours and people from your street that you've never met before. It creates an opportunity to do that. So as a, as uh, the way of Jesus is to engage, not retreat. Amen. Awesome. Why don't you stand with me and let's pray. Thank you, I'm blessed by your encouragement. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, well, Jesus, we, we declare that you are Lord. You are Lord of all and you are Lord of us, God. You're not just our Saviour, you, you are our Lord. So you are the one who is in charge of our lives and you have called us to simply 
be obedient to you. Even as we prayed into so much in the worship time, just to yield to you, to give our lives over to you. Even as the Apostle Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. But Jesus, we, need to, we just need to look at your life, see what you did and follow in that pattern, Lord. And God, you, you challenge so much of the culture we live in, Lord. And, and you, Jesus, you challenge the Christian culture that we live in. I think sometimes as much as the secular culture. We can get so caught up in, in self-protection and our own religiosity, Lord, and we just miss so much opportunity to be a blessing, Lord. And, and Lord, we wanna be radically marked by You, Jesus. We wanna take every opportunity to proclaim Your Name, Jesus, to demonstrate who You are, to live for You, to be changed by You, God. So we don't wanna shy away from our faith, Lord. But God, we also pray to help us just not to be weird, Lord. Let us just be good friends to people. And in the way that we are good friends, Lord, that we can love like Jesus would love, that we can build trust, that we can create connection. And through that connection as You did, Lord, opportunity for conversation comes out. So we thank You for Your leading Holy Spirit. We thank You that You will lead us this week, Lord, that it won't be a pressure or a weight. It'll be, Jesus, I know that You want me to live this way. I know You want me to live in a way that would cause others to ask questions of my life. Lord, even that we would, wouldn't have to try and squeeze our Christian faith into a conversation, Lord, but we would live in such a way where people would be drawing it from us. but we need You to do the work, Holy Spirit. Do the work in us, challenge us, confront us, Lord. Confront our religiosity, Lord. Confront our fear. Heal us from those things, Lord. Set us free, call us to repentance, Lord. And then fill us with the courage to go and live for You, Lord. And God, what the world would be like if every believer simply obeyed the calling on their lives to follow You, to live like You and to proclaim Your Name, Your goodness and Your finished work to the world. That's how Your Kingdom comes, Lord. That's why revival is not spoken of in the Bible. Obedience is what revival looks like, Lord. If we wanna see revival come, we wanna see Your Kingdom come, Lord. Obedience is the key to love You, and to obey You. So we say, Lord, we love You and Lord, we desire to obey You. We give You our yes. Thank You, Lord. We love You, we bless You in Jesus' Name, Amen.